Hey, um, couple, couple of announcements today. The first thing that I need to announce is, obviously my voice is going, all right? Man, um, I was sick Monday and Tuesday, did not feel good at all. Uh, had the fever, had whatever's going around. Feel fine now, feel great. Coughing a little bit. The problem is my voice is not coming back. So I'm going to give you everything I have today, but I expect you to give me everything you have today as well. All right? So if I'm going to... Y'all didn't give me nothing. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna have to, this is what I said during first service. If y'all treat me like that, what I'm going to do is step off the stage like I did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to sit beside some of you and just start talking to you directly and then make, give you a microphone and let you start to preach. Uh, a couple, couple of announcements that we have. This is going to be an awkward transition because you got to stop playing right now. So Tiffany, stop playing. Tiffany, Brendan, can you go ahead and make your way up here as well? Babe, can you, can you come up with them? By babe, I mean my wife. Uh, Jenna, could you make your way up here as well? Man, y'all, y'all go ahead and make your way. We didn't, we didn't think this through playing-wise, did we? Uh, y'all make... Y'all make your way to the, the front of the stage. Man, we, we believe in honoring people. Um, for those of you who have, have met Tiffany and, and met Brendan, um, these two were, were two of the first 36 individuals that helped us plant the church. Uh, they've been with us for over five years, and for some reason, they've decided to move. Uh, they're moving a couple hours away uh, to be closer to, to Tiffany's family, um, have some job opportunities there. Uh, and today is their last Sunday. Uh, I won't even say last Sunday a part of Multiply Church because that's not true, but the last Sunday serving at this location for this season. You see how I left the door open open there? Uh, but man, we just want to honor you guys. Uh, Brendan, for you, um, man, you're, you're silent but deadly. Uh, no, nobody sees. Uh, there, there. Let me say this: there are a few people that see what you do week in and week out. Um, for for the past five and a half years, man, you've been one of the first individuals to show up almost every single Sunday. Uh, you unlock the sheds at the back. You put the signs out by the road. Uh, you make everything look good outside. I remember when we were over at the movie theater. And there would be days that it would be pouring down rain, and you would back your truck up as close to the, the sheds as possible, and we would load your truck down with stuff to hurry and drive it around to the front so that we could unload it and, and get it all out. But, but to watch you serve, man, so selflessly has, has challenged me to be better. Um, but I know that you couldn't have done it without the woman beside you. Uh, and, and Tiffany, you have, you have led and carried our worship team um, more than, say it again, say it again, yeah. Cora. More, more, than, more than people realize. For example, it's awkward when someone's not playing the keys. And she, it's like, okay, Tiffany, you gotta, you gotta come up front now. Uh, by the way, both of these two love being in front of people, if you can't tell. But, but Tiffany, the way that you've led was with such grace and the way that you've made us better as a community and as a family, um, the way that you've helped usher us and lead us into worship, um, it, it takes a special type of grace. Um, you've never wanted to be in the limelight. You've never wanted to be up front. In fact, I think when we were like putting the keys on this stage, you're like, I'll just put me over in the corner somewhere. Like, I don't, I don't want to be in the front. But, but, I mean, we could not do what we do without both of you. Um, and 
and it's, it's going to be felt when you leave. Um, as, as a church community, we're not asking someone in the church community to fill shoes because you couldn't fill their shoes. There's no way you could fill their shoes, but, but here's an opportunity for someone to stand on their shoulders. Uh, we believe that when individuals transition, that there's mantles that are passed. So I'm going to ask the, the congregation and the body, man, who's going to pick up their mantle? Because these people have been pillars, their family have been pillars in this church for the past five years. So who's going to pick up the mantle and start serving the way that, that Brendan has served? Who's going to pick up the mantle and start playing keys and, and serving the way Tiffany has served? What they have done is they have modeled what it means to be a Christ follower and what it means to be a servant leader, and they have done it flawlessly. They've never complained. I mean, they, they've, never, they've never just not shown up. They've always been willing to do more. And, and so, I mean, as we pass this mantle, could you just extend your hand um, as we pray over Tiffany and Brendan? Lord, thank you so much for, for this couple. I mean, everything that we have seen uh, from them over the past five years and, and just their willingness to serve, their, their willingness to give of themselves, their willingness to, to put themselves in hard situations so that this church could grow. I, I know that, that Tiffany's been playing, I can't believe her fingers haven't fallen off the more, the, as many times as she's played keys and, and Brendan being out in the weather week in and week out, just, just giving of himself and serving. Lord, we just, we just say thank you. Lord, we say thank you for the season that we've had with them. But Lord, we pray that they would find a community into the new area that they're moving, a new church community that they can plug into, that they can serve at. Lord, we pray uh, for protection around their family. We say thank you for new job opportunities. God, we say thank you for transi transition, even though it's hard. And, and sometimes uh, we don't want it. And by we, I mean me. But Lord, I pray that, that you would bless them as they come and bless them as they go. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, can you show your love and support for these two? Thank you, dude. All right, listen. Listen, she got the basket, but half of it is yours. All right, so don't let her have everything. All right, thank you so much. Y'all make some noise. Like, be loud. All right. Yeah. All right, you guys may be seated. Hey, let me, give you, uh, let me give you another update. I know you heard it from a couple of different people this morning, but we had Christmas in Davidson and, and we had the parade uh, yesterday. And, and throughout Christmas in Davidson as a whole, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, we gave away over 3,000 Come Sit With Me cards with every cup of hot apple cider and every cup of, of hot chocolate. Man, that, that's just exciting. Why? Because that means we are inviting people to church and, and we're saying, hey, we're a part of this community and, and we want you to come check us out. And that's cool for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But we also had the parade as well. And, and what I loved about the parade is we made, so two years, no, last year, we made 1,000 bags of candy to pass out and we ran out. This year, we were like, all right, we'll, we'll go more than 2X. We made 2,500 bags of candy. And, and with those bags of candy, we, we passed out Come Sit With Me cards as well. We ran out again. That was my mistake. I saw the light where the parade was ending, and I kind of couldn't see around the bend. 
And I looked at our team. We had about 40, 45 people there. And I said, I was like, hey, listen, we got a lot of candy left. We got to get rid of it. And we started passing it out like crazy. And then we come around the corner. And I, there had to be five or six more hundred people that were at the very end. I'm like, well, made that mistake. So, we'll, well, yeah, Merry Christmas. We just started wait. We got a card we can give you. Uh, but, no, man, it, it was awesome. What I loved about the parade in and of itself is this. Um, I think our kids outdid uh, are adults by far. But, I mean, listen, everybody's kids. P- Piper wrecked me though. I kept looking back at Piper like, hurry up and get up here. Like, she, like we were a quarter mile behind the rest of the parade at one point because our kids could not stop handing out candy and come sit with me cards. And, and this is what challenged me um, is that the kids did not care what someone looked like, what someone was dressed like, what someone sounded like, they went up to anyone and everyone, handed them a bag of candy and handed them this come sit with me card. I heard Piper say it one time, she might have said it a, a couple of different times, but one time she said, come to my church and gave, them, and gave them a card. And I'm like, oh dear Lord, like I'm going to fall apart in the middle of, of the parade. What I know is that Jesus came for absolutely every, everyone and, and our kids exemplified that. Uh, and that, man, it, it, it does joy for my heart when we step into our, our community and, and truly invite people to be a part of our church and, and what's going on. Uh, with that being said, next Sunday, we have our multiplier celebration. Uh, man, if you serve in this church, we want to honor you. We want to celebrate you. I know we have over 100 people already signed up to, to be part of that. So we're going to have a meal. We're going to have some comedy. We've got some Dundee Awards that we're going to give out. So I'm excited about that because there's a few of you that I'm calling out. And we're giving you uh, some awards. So make sure you prepare and make arrangements uh, for that next Sunday. We do have child care, so you'll be good to go there. Were you at me or would you? Oh, you said yes. I thought you were like, like you wanted to tell me something. Like, I mean, not a good time, but you can tell me (laughs) if you... If you want to tell me something. Hey, so today, um, you notice Pastor Manny, you notice Pastor Keith on stage. You want to awkwardly wave at him? Can you do your best? There you go. So they're going to be preaching with me today. So we're going to be tag teaming this thing. We're going to be having a little fun. Um, but, but really, we're diving into our, our new series. And, and I don't know about you, but do you ever find yourself going, how is it already December? Anybody in the room? Raymond, you're like, yes, me. Thank you for raising your hands. You're already more active than the first service. But, but it's like you already find yourself like how, how in the world is it December already? See, see, time is a weird concept because it always moves at the same pace. But we say things like, man, this year is flying by. You, you ever find yourself, I can't believe or this year is flying by. And, but there's another side to this conundrum. And it all revolves around when you're expecting something. I don't know about you, but maybe you're in the room and, and you've got a vacation lined up, maybe that it's coming in the summer, maybe it's after the first of the year, maybe you're traveling to visit family, but, but you've got this vacation coming up and, and maybe you have that countdown on your desk at work of, of how long you have until that vacation gets here. Like you, you're expecting that vacation to happen. Or maybe it's a visit from family. I remember when, when Keith and I, when Pastor Keith and I lived states apart, and, and we would text each other around the holiday season like, hey, man, I'll see you in like two weeks, three days, and four hours. Like, any, does anybody send those text messages to their family? Like, I can't wait until I see some hands. Like, I can't, I can't wait until I'm hanging out with you or, or the family. Maybe it's the birth of, of your kid. 
And if you're like my wife, like she had this app and every day she got a notification on how the baby was progressing. Like there was this expectation of what was to come. Did Marina do that? Did Marina have the app? Yeah, what size vegetable is your kid right now, right? Like, like that was the expectation of something that was coming. And this time of year, obviously the expectation is Christmas. If you're like our family, does anybody have, anybody got like the countdown to Christmas in their house on a calendar somewhere? Like all of us have it, right? Listen, this morning I, 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 I got up, I got ready to, to come in to preach and and my daughter came in my room about five minutes before I left. And, and like, she, her eyes are still halfway closed. She goes, Daddy, I want to go with you. I'm like, baby, you're not, even, you're not even awake yet. Like, you, don't even, you really don't know what you're saying. Just climb in the bed. You can, you can lay on Daddy's side of the bed. Just lay in the bed. And she goes, oh, okay, okay. And then, and then she almost got worried. She's like elevated in the bed. She goes, Daddy. I'm like, what, baby? She goes, Let's go downstairs. I said, okay, why are we going? She goes, I have to move the star. (laughs) And the star is like the day of the week that it is or that countdown to Christmas. The problem is she can't reach the top where it is right now. So I had to pick her up. She grabbed the star and she moved it to the next day. In our family, the only person's job that is, is Piper's. Because she's expecting Christmas to be here. I mean, kids have a different expectation for Christmas. I think this year is going to be the year that we have to stay up, put the toys together, really. I, I know we've set it up for her before, but really set it up. Because she's five, and she thinks she's 32, right? So she, like, she's ready. Like, she's expecting Christmas to be something spectacular. I mean, we all have, we all have expectations this time of year. For me, my expectation is this right now. Who has my name for the secret Santa exchange in our family. So my wife found this website. You're supposed to type in your email address, put everybody's family, like all the family members' name in, hit enter, and then you get a name. Keith and I, I'm going to go ahead and let you two know, Keith and I talked about it this morning during first service. So I know, well, I know who Keith doesn't have, and Keith knows who I, this is a family conversation. Y'all can just listen in on it right now if you want to. Jenna, who do you have? She can say it if she wants Listen, there, there should be no secrets in a marriage, all right? So, you, you going to tell me? No? Will you tell me? The process of elimination. This is what Keith and I talked about. Again, family conversation. If y'all want to listen in, that's fine. But we, we were like, it's like the, the two funny things is, is like who gets Grammy and then who does Grammy get? Like that's, like, that's going to be funny. Grammy's going to get me. Did she get me? You told on your, she can't lie, by the way. My wife cannot lie at all. Did Grammy get me? She got me. Well, there you go. Now it's real. Well, Grammy got me. Process of elimination. I'm getting some socks and some underwear is what I'm getting for Christmas. So I know, I know what to expect now. But, man, we all have these expectations during Christmas. Maybe your kid's coming home from college. Maybe you're a student in the room and you're in college and you're going home for the Christmas season. And, and maybe you're a parent in the room and you have these expectations for your kids for Christmas, but, but all of us have some form of expectation during the Christmas season. Now, if you've been in church for, for any amount of time, or, or maybe you've seen this kind of float around, but, but instead of the Christmas season, what we see in church sometimes is the Advent season. I, I follow a couple people on social media. There's two individuals that I follow. They have two Advent calendars right now um, for their pets. 
So every day they like open up this little drawer and their pet gets like a new treat or something. And that's like their surprise for the day. Another buddy of mine that I follow on social media, he has a a coffee advent calendar to where he kind of pops open this little drawer and there's a different style or type of coffee in this advent calendar. Anybody else seen like strange advent calendars? Yeah, a couple people. All right, let's try this again. Let's be verbal. Has anybody seen advent calendars? There you go. So, but there's this idea or this expectation of what is to come. So that led me to answer this question. What does the word Advent really mean? If you look at Webster's Dictionary, Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. For us as a church, that all revolves around Jesus. Advent in and of itself means expectation. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance. If you drop down to verse 10 in the New Living Translation, it reads like this, This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. So when Peter's penning these words, what does he mean by prepared for you? It's not just individuals he was writing to thousands of years ago. It's the, it's the expectation for you and for me. That this expectation was prepared for us. We're called to live with great expectation because of the gracious salvation that Jesus prepared for you and for me. But, but where does this expectation come from? How can we truly live with any type of expectation? See, as Peter was writing these words, he's looking back to the prophets in the Old Testament who were looking forward to the coming of Christ. The expectation of the Old Testament prophets is that a Savior is coming. They truly believed that this Savior would come in 700 years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. See, Isaiah was living with a great expectation of what and who was to come. May y'all give it up for Manny as he comes and finishes up. The wise men show us a great example of how we can live our life with expectation. So I don't know if you're like me at all. I always grew up knowing the wise men that followed the star from Bethlehem. They journeyed to Bethlehem to find the Messiah, to find Jesus. I knew the story. I knew the star. I heard about it. But I never really knew too much about who these wise men were. The only wise men, and I call them wise guys, are the kids that I coach at my high school soccer team. I've been with these guys for five years now, and they have shown me a lot in the last five years. I call them wise guys because the first day that I show up for practice five years ago, they come to me and say, hey, coach, we're not very good. I said, well, that's not setting the right expectation up front. See, they had a hope that they would win. They had a hope that they would play well, but they didn't have the expectation to play well. They didn't have an expectation to win because of previous results. And that came through to how they practiced, how they performed, how they played, and ultimately how they viewed the game of soccer. But now that we've been together for now five years, things have changed. We went into this past season, we ended ended in October. We went into this last season 
with a new hope and a new expectation. Yes, we hope to win, but we expected to win this year. We expected to win this year because we prepared properly, we planned properly, we executed properly. And that, tr that transition to us this year, going third in the conference and making the state tournament for the first time in school history. So the boys have taught me so much. Yeah, we can clap for that. So having that hope and expectation, but what we see in scripture is that the wise men also lived with hope and expectation. But have you ever wondered how did these wise men know that that particular star would lead to the Messiah? And how did they know that by them traveling to Bethlehem, it would lead them to Jesus? The wise men lived with great expectation. That expectation was to find a king based on prophecy being fulfilled. Now, there's a lot of prophecy that we see in the Old Testament, but let's just look at one that's found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is a prophecy that the wise men studied to find the Savior Jesus in Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. But still, after hearing this prophecy of a ruler coming from Bethlehem, how did these wise men know or had the expectation that they would find the Savior by following this star? I think it's important to know the background of wise men, who these guys were, to help us better understand the expectation and how that became reality for them to find Jesus. So who were the wise men? The wise men are also known as magi. They were educated men that studied astrology and astronomy. They were noble, wealthy, and influential. They were philosophers, the counselors of rulers. They were upright men of integrity. These guys were the real deal. And these wise men are mentioned all throughout the Bible. But if you look at Daniel chapter 2 specifically, it's interesting the connection that is made between the wise men mentioned in Daniel chapter 2 and the wise men that traveled to Bethlehem to find the Savior Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize the majority of the chapter. There's 49 verses, so I'm not going to read all 49 verses. I'm going to give you first five verses and a few verses scattered in. But my encouragement is go through all of Daniel chapter 2 because it's awesome to see the connection that's made between these wise men and the wise men that go to Bethlehem to find Jesus. So the first five verses, Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, the wise men, to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. What a deal. The rest of the chapter goes like this. None of these wise men could interpret it. No matter their background, education, they could not interpret this dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. So the king, upon his decree that we just read, orders all of the wise men to be put to death. And this includes Daniel because Daniel was a counselor to the king, so he was also on the list to be put to death. This goes on to say that Daniel hears of this, 
and he asked the king for more time to interpret the dream. Daniel asked for favor from the Lord to interpret this dream. So we jump to verse 24, and it reads, Then Daniel went to Arioch, who was the king whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. When Daniel is in front of the king, Arioch takes him to the king. Daniel's in front of the king. We read in verse 27 and 28. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Daniel then goes into extreme uh, explanation of this dream. He goes verse by verse by verse and explains the entire dream. The wise men are listening in. And because of this, King Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Because of what Daniel did in front of the king by interpreting the dream, Nebuchadnezzar made him king over all the wise men of Babylon. So here's the connection. The wise men that traveled to see Jesus in Bethlehem are believed to come from the same lineage of those that took notice of the Lord's faithfulness because of Daniel's faithfulness. But here's the kicker. What happened in Daniel chapter 2 was 500 years before what happened, the wise men traveling to see Jesus in Bethlehem. 500 years. So generation and generation and generation of studying and preparing and waiting on the signs and prophecies to be fulfilled because of the one thing that Daniel did 500 years prior by prophesying the name of Jesus. Daniel, like I said, generations before, shared the faithfulness of the Lord. And this is the reason why the wise men were able to have the prophecy and see the prophecy fulfilled because one man shared the message of hope. So as we enter into this Advent season and in this season of expectation, let's remember the example of the wise men. They knew of a coming Messiah based upon one person at some point sharing the message of hope and expectation with them. So whether we're sharing a message of hope and expectation with a family member, a friend, a coworker, or 18 guys in a soccer field in the month of September, or if you're just looking to make sure that you have hope and expectation that Jesus is going to continue to do great things in and through your lives, because we will never know the impact that we may have that would lead someone on their journey to meet Jesus. Amen. So we see throughout scripture the expectation of the Jewish people is quite a journey, especially when we think about the Christmas story. This Christmas story of Jesus and his birth was extraordinary but very ordinary. And previously, Pastor Zach just spoke about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it said, For us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will stand on his shoulders. Well, the continuation of that verse actually reads, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When the rabbis and the Jewish people read this prophecy, they were painting a picture of what the Messiah would look like. This Messiah was more than just a human. He was supernatural. As we read the story of the birth of Jesus, I can certainly see why many Jewish people have been skeptical. You see, the Jewish people have been on a journey. They're currently on a journey right now. Some Jewish people are Messianic Jews. They believe in Jesus as their Messiah. 
many Jewish people don't believe their Messiah has actually come yet. And so it's a journey that they're still going on. But as we painted a picture of what the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus, they have a picture in their mind of what Jesus looks like. And the reality of the birth of Jesus and the story of Jesus is it wasn't that grandier. It wasn't that royal. And a first century Jew during that time period could be skeptical of, is this really our Messiah being born in a manger in the middle of Bethlehem, not so, so royal? I can understand that skepticism. I'm skeptical myself. I naturally have no problem calling out people who exaggerate things and say, is that exactly true? I naturally can be cynical in some ways. Some of you are shaking your heads. I know this is not a rare personality trait because often all of us can question some things, can be skeptical of some things, and that's okay. Well, the first century Jew was skeptical about the birth of Jesus as their Messiah, and rightfully so. Why? Because they didn't exactly reach all of their expectations. The expectations of the Jewish people for their Messiah was a royal identity. And they interpreted the Old Testament prophecies as someone being born into royalty. You see, Isaiah in chapter 11, he says, a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots. Further, it says, the Messiah will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Jeremiah also affirms the Messiah as a royal king in Jeremiah 23. It reads, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for you David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In 2 Samuel, God promises David a future son would reign over Israel for ever, and that included peace from all enemies. This would suggest that not only the Messiah coming from a royal line, but he would also be a conquering king, just like David was. So when we combine these passages, we have a portrayal, a picture painted for the Jewish people that their Messiah would be an all-conquering king who would defeat every enemy to restore Israel to its rightful place for God's people to dwell with peace and prosperity. As we paint that picture, you can see what the Jewish people were expecting compared to the details of what actually happened. And we see how God meets the needs of people in ways they didn't even know existed. You see, the Jewish people were expecting a royal conquering king. What they got was a humble, suffering servant. What they got was someone who would come to free them spiritually. They are expecting royalty. They are expecting someone to come in and to free them from the Roman rule over their lives. Instead, what they got was a suffering servant who freed them from the bondage of sin and death and not only freed the Jewish people, but freed humanity to have access to the presence of the Lord. This extraordinary birth of Jesus surrounded by ordinary events. There was no huge celebration of a royal baby being born to an entire nation. There is no holiday declared when Mary gave birth to Jesus. Mary and Joseph and Jesus were not handed the keys to Jerusalem. It was not a huge celebration. It was an extraordinary birth with ordinary details and events. Not exactly quite what the Jewish people were expecting, but exactly 
what they needed. You see, in the Old Testament scripture, it's riddled with prophecy of not only a royal conquering king as a Messiah, but also a suffering servant as a Messiah. In Psalms 22, it's a messianic psalms portraying his future sufferings, including the details consistent with the death of a crucifixion, which was unknown at the time when it was written. Daniel prophesied of the death of Messiah in the revelation of the 70 weeks concerning Israel, giving him, after confessing Israel's grievous sins against God. This is in Daniel chapter 9. Zechariah prophesied of Israel's response to the coming Messiah and identified him as pierced, which again confirms that an inevitable death of Jesus, the Messiah. So there's two conflicting portrayals of the future Messiah in the Old Testament that created a challenge to understand how they could both be true in one person, especially considering what was occurring at the point in time of Jesus' birth. It would be easy to accept one and reject the other. If I was a Jewish person in that time, I would want to accept that my Messiah was the royal conquering king rather than the suffering servant. So what the Jewish people were expecting was a conquering king, but what they needed was a suffering servant. They needed the suffering servant. They needed Jesus to come in humility and to die on the cross for our sins. They needed the humble suffering servant. So you ever wonder why at the time of the crucifixion of Jesus, the week before during Passover, the Palm Sunday, when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, they were celebrating him. They were saying that he was the Messiah. They were cheering him on because they saw the miracles. And so quickly, they changed their mind. A couple days later, they were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Why did they change their minds so quickly? Because they saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem as the conquering king, But then when he went on trial, when he was beaten, when he was pierced, they realized that he was not the physical conquering king that they wanted and expected him to be. So they quickly turned on Jesus and decided, that's not the Messiah that I want. Little did they realize that the prophecy he was fulfilling in the Old Testament as a suffering servant gave not only them but all humanity the access to God. You and I can have a relationship with Jesus or with God because Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. And the best part about this as Jesus as a suffering servant is that that's not the end of the story because Jesus will come back again one day as our royal conquering king bringing us peace on earth. And it all started with his miraculous birth. Amen. So we've got the expectations of the Magi or the wise men, the the expectations of the Jewish people or the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but there's another expectation that I think we miss sometimes in Scripture, and we just take it and read it and accept it, and that's the expectation of the shepherds. If we read in Luke chapter 2, picking up in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes 
and lying in a manger. When I read that scripture, when I read that chapter, I read it as if it's common. I read it as if it's just acceptable. Why? Because scripture tells us that Jesus came to be our great shepherd. So the idea that an angel would appear before shepherds just makes sense to me. I just take it for what it is, but if you study this, if you dive into it, if you really read the scripture, what we think is common is actually very uncommon. Theologians like Jeremiah document this. They say the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights is actually unique in the sense that an angel would appear before the shepherds themselves. Shepherds didn't have any weight in society. Shepherds didn't have any value in society. Shepherds didn't have any place in society. They couldn't fulfill judicial offices. They couldn't even be admitted in court as witnesses. They were outcast. Jeremiah goes on to write this. He says, to buy wool or milk or animals from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that the property was actually stolen. You couldn't even do business with a shepherd. You couldn't hang out with them. No wonder they were always off kind of administering to the flock. No wonder they were off out in the field with no one around them. They were the lowest individuals on the totem pole in society. But yet that's the individuals that the angels decided to reveal himself to. What's crazy to me is the shepherds were the only one that got a clear picture of who Jesus was going to be born in a manger. I mean, Manny told you about the Magi. They had to study for 500 years just to follow this star that maybe they would find a king. You heard Keith talk about the Jewish people. They thought Jesus was going to come in riding on a white stallion. They weren't expecting the donkey. They were expecting him to be Leonidas. They were expecting him to kick down the door, to walk in and says, hey, this is mine. You guys can remove yourself now. That was their expectation. It wasn't clear. But when the angel reveals himself to the shepherds, I mean, just imagine the scene there. It's like scripture tells us that it's at night. Well, we know that it had to be a decently clear sky. Why? Because they followed the star. They had to be able to see the star hanging out with their flock imagine they were talking about the day about what they wish they had maybe they're talking about their family maybe they're talking about their other shepherd friends and maybe some of them were a little downcast because they're like man I wish people would just accept me for me Maybe they had been so hurt and scarred from society that, that they found themselves sitting alone at night wondering why. How, how did I end up here? And then an angel reveals himself to the shepherds and say, hey, go to Bethlehem. And in a manger, you're going to find this guy, this baby. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. His parents are going to be there. This isn't just some ordinary baby. This isn't some ordinary child. This is the savior of the world. Can you imagine how their expectations shifted 
Can you imagine how their own mindset shifted? What was their their expectation? Again, the wise men weren't given a clear picture. The Jewish people weren't given this clear picture. Why, Why is all this even important? It's because Jesus will reveal himself in different ways to different people. But more importantly than all of that, Jesus will always reveal himself to everyone. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you're walking through. It doesn't matter what type of social uh, economic status you have or what your job title is or, or what you do for a living, what you don't do for a living. Jesus will absolutely reveal himself to you if you allow him. What I love about this whole story, about the expectation of the shepherds, is their response. They say this, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They didn't question it. The Jewish people questioned it. I I suspect, I'm, I'm taking some creative liberty, Manny, but I suspect for 500 years, because they were theologians, because they were educated, they debated back and forth. There was some doubt back, no, it's going to be like this. No, it's going to be like this. And I've been, I've been in a classroom setting. And what is a classroom set? It's friction. It rubs back and forth. And I imagine for 500 years, they didn't really know. If they did, I bet you more than three would have shown up. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, especially after hearing Manny talk. Only three showed up. Now, some people speculate that there could have been up to 12, but still, there were supposed to be hundreds, if not thousands, of these educated individuals that were studying this stuff for 500 years, yet only a few, only a handful showed up. Only a handful followed the signs because of their expectation. The Jewish people in and of themselves, they had the same prophecies. They didn't show up. But then you have the wise men, and what do they say? Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They didn't question it. How often have you questioned God in your life? How often do you have some type of expectation in your life that you start to question, oh, well, God said that. I I thought that at one time, but but now my life has gone this way. And, And you begin to question what God has placed in your heart and in your mind. I mean, the shepherds, they were the lowest of low. What did they say? Hey, let's go. Let's go find out. Let's go see what happened. And then we keep, we keep reading. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. This is what's crazy about that verse in Scripture to me. Again, they were the lowest of low, yet people were amazed about what they were saying. Why? Because Jesus can change absolutely everything. Jesus can change everything in your life and the view that you have on your life and the view that other people have on your life. And then we continue to read, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They didn't keep it to themselves. They didn't say, thanks, angel, I appreciate it. Let me go find this guy named Jesus. Let me just get what I can from him. Because that was the expectation of culture and society, that shepherds would just take, 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 that they were thieves. But what did they do? They took the news and they started to share it. Hey, guess what I encountered? Guess who I encountered? There's a savior of the world. He's in a manger. 
There's a savior of the world. This angel appeared to us and he said that he's going to change absolutely everything. But what did they do? They glorified and praised. They glorified and praised. Listen, what you glorify, you praise. You can glorify culture. You can glorify society. You can glorify the news. You can glorify people. You can elevate anything you want to and put it on this pedestal. Or you can elevate Jesus. Because what you glorify, you praise. And what you praise, you expect. Listen, this Christmas season, this Advent season, as we've already stepped into December, as we step into our Advent season over the next few weeks, let me ask you, what are you expecting? Because ultimately, what you glorify, you praise. And what you praise, you expect. I I could glorify the negative stuff in my life. I told you, the holiday season is hard for me. I I could glorify or expect it to be hard and painful because my dad passed away a few years ago. Because my grandmother passed away four days ago. Or I can glorify and praise Jesus regardless of the situation that I'm in regardless of the season that I find myself. I don't know what the holiday season brings for you. Like for some of you, I talked about it, you can expect things for your kids and expect things for family, but for some of you, you're expecting the pain. You're expecting the loss of a loved one. You're expecting it to be a hard season, but why? Are those pa- is that pain? Are those feelings real? Are they justifiable? Yes, but this is what I'm asking you to do. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on your circumstance focus on Jesus don't focus on your pain allow Jesus to be your center and then deal with the emotions as they come because what you glorify you praise and what you praise you expect my hope for our church this Christmas season is that we would glorify Jesus is that we would praise Jesus and that we would live with great expectations until it returns I mean all across this room can we stand Could we step into worship for just a couple minutes? And could we set a new expectation for this year? Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.